extra podcast from the hosts of the Community Pulse. Let's hear what your hosts are talking about in this episode. I I know it doesn't have to be said, but that was an amazing episode. So it was a great episode. That. It was another amazing <laughs> episode. Of the no, community. I think that- you know, Agreed. after I feel like we could say after seventy three episodes, I, we're we're like we're pretty good at this. We're pretty good I don't at know. This. We could just be like very uh, full of ourselves. You know, we're good at choosing guests to talk to yeah, who are that, phenomenal that, about the topics we want to address. Yeah, we'll we're then asking we the right questions that the guests are really like feeling it. Like they're really. That's into, fair. I felt like both Maddie and Jay Ritz were like really into addressing these topics. Yes, and that yes. I think that makes a difference. We're getting very. It excited. does, and I I love being able to like pull on our network and the people that we know, and also expand that network at times to be like, who wants to talk about this? Because I feel like there's times when you know, if we're on panels about developer relations or having to explain developer relations, so many times we're asked the same four or five questions, right? And so if you get a topic that you're really passionate about, you're like, oh, I can talk about this. Great. Let, let Give me, me the microphone. That. I will do this. <laughs> Which is awesome. It's definitely, you know, and I guess we should back up and give just a little context for anybody who wasn't hasn't had a chance to listen to the full episode yet. But we talked about what DevRel means for basically non-developers. Like there's a whole bunch of people out there who, uh, you know, we titled it DevRel Beyond Developers because what we wanted to get to was the world that we try to reach the people out there that we help in a variety of ways. Not everybody is a developer. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't identify as a developer. They don't even want to be, I can sense it in Maddie. He's like me. Like we have been through this for years. People telling us we're developers, we're in developer relations. And I have never yeah. once felt like a developer. Um, I mean, well, I think, I think part of that, part of that too, also goes back to what, what Maddie addressed, I think right off the bat, naming is hard end of episode. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, like I've, I've been, I've been a developer, I've been a programmer, I've been a coder and I've been an engineer. Um, and <laughs> never have I seen a difference in those jobs in the same right. way that I've been a community engineer, a developer advocate, a technical advocate, a technical evangelist, and all of these other things that essentially I'm doing DevRel. Like that's like, you know, but you can't be like, so what's your title? Yeah, I do DevRel. Well, and the thing that I love is that- I am a DevRel. I don't even like that. We're not getting into that. I am a (laughs) DevRel. That's a whole other episode. (laughs) We need to hire a DevRel. No, and we're cutting Oh gosh, yeah. (laughs) Like when you have to hire a DevOp, right? You just need to Yeah, put a tag on this episode. Yes, yes. (laughs) But I think, I mean, one of the things that was making me laugh when we were talking about, you know, words are hard is when we were putting together the the brief for this episode, like Jason, you and Wesley and I sat there and debated, like, what words do we use? Do we use builder? Do we use experience? Do we use developer? Do we use creator? Is creator too broad? Do we like, how do we talk through this? Right. Developer plus like and I think we wound up saying like anyone who is using your product to build solutions for their problems. Right. And so I think like that's a a great example of we spend so much time trying to get the the words correct because words matter mm-hmm. because, you know, I I have 
only recently considered myself to be a developer and been comfortable saying that I am a developer only because people have pointed out like, look, you've created demos on your own without someone walking you through, here's how exactly to do this, right? Like yeah. you can set something up based on a well-documented API. Like, have I been a full-time software engineer? No. Right. Have you set what up Mastodon? You're a developer. Right. <laughs> so like, how do you- A social engineer. That? You are a social engineer. <laughs> so a lot of this is just um, the product of the world that we live in now is there are a lot of tools out there that allow us non-developers yes. to actually make and solve you know, make cool stuff, solve our own problems, mm -hmm. create automation, mm -hmm. create things that yeah. you required a developer, you know, right. not that long ago to do. Now we can solve those. And that that's the whole like yes. no code, low code right. citizen developer. That's where I think we danced around that term citizen developer a few times in mm -hmm. that pre-planning call, because um, knowing that Jay Ritz was going to be our guest and that she is the GM of the next generation experiences, which is, you know, part of a greater DevRel effort as we heard her uh, mention, but our, you know, like our slice in any large enough business, I think one, I don't remember which one of you said this previously ha has just like so many different intricacies and aspects of DevRel that mm. we, we, we have so, we have endless topics we could choose from for shows, you know, because there's people who just only focus on one little aspect, you know, because they're in a big place. And then there's people like Maddie who, you know, really are, are, taking on many hats because it's just them or just them and a few others. Mm -hmm. So, um, the, you know, the, the point I, I guess I'm trying to make is that the, the world has changed and, and there's just more available to us. And now I'm like thinking in my head, how can I show not just non-technical people, but like my parents, you know, who are, you I mean, I, I wouldn't say they're non-technical. They have iPads. They know, you know, how to like surf the web and do things, but, that's my audience, you know, kind of like right. people similar to them who have every, you know, ability and every, every resource they need to solve problems. They just need a little bit of guidance and a little bit of like, you know, let me show you a few things and then come back to me with questions. Um, that's well, the people you, that we're talking to. You mentioned guidance, Jason, but they, I think there also has to be a level of interest. Like there has to be some, and, and I'm not saying like, you know, cause I know it's a, it's a, it's a terrible word. You have to be passionate about working with technology. That's bullshit. Um, that's you know, not really what we're talking about. What we're talking about is like, you need to have something that you're interested enough in using a solution that we're presenting to you that you're willing to take a, like when you talk about the low code or no code solution, take a slightly more technical interest in what's going on. Um, instead of just saying, please just feed me software, just feed me software and I'll plug it in and I'll make another spreadsheet. Um, and I think that that's the difference, but the other thing that I wanted to mention, cause you use the term citizen developer. And I think part of the, part of the idea there is I think that people, when people say developer, they consider it the job. Like Mary mentioned, she's never been a full-time software engineer. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. That that's fair. But I think that we've, we've made developer into such a specific job title and such a specific persona that we don't necessarily consider it something like if you're not doing this full-time, you're not working 40 hours a week, writing code. You're not a developer. Um, right. And that 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 statement in and of itself has a whole other bunch of connotations we can get into. But, um, you know, the, I guess the question boils down to where do we draw? What, what where is the gate kept? Who's a developer mm -hmm. and who's not? And Wesley is going to answer that question right now. 
Yes. Uh, going back to our discussion when we were talking about the, <laughs> the subject about, and one thing I, I, I said then, and I think it really resonates now, is that the, the developer has always evolved. Uh, it used to be if you could do assembly language, you're a developer. If you could do machine language, you are a, a developer. And then higher order languages, like if you, if you did C or C++, then you're a developer. But then if you did... Um, Pascal, then no, that's just a playing thing. And then, oh, oh you're, you're a web developer? Oh, you do HTML? That's that's not... That, that, and then it's more like... It moved, oh, the argument moved. that HTML is yeah. not even a coding language. Yeah, like, yeah it's just like moved in scripting and all this stuff. And then now we're talking about like, if you can do shortcuts on your iPhone, then you're moving into development. And it's because of the accessibility of these platforms, of these tools yeah. are reaching more and more people that it feels less of a thing that you are have to go out of your way to learn because you are, mm -hmm. have a job and this is gonna be your profession, but more of like, you're trying to live in the world and this is moving to more and more people and it's spreading that these are just more accessible because you can grab it. And uh, I know Jason, you're gonna say something, but there's also like even tools for developers, developers, no. like at GitHub Universe, they have, Hey, GitHub, right? Uh, where you can just talk and just say, I need a function to do X. I, I need an array that have this many variables or so on and so forth, which is like amazing. Uh, and so developer always changes. The word developer always changes and it has, cool. and I welcome this and people shouldn't be afraid of this. And, and um, the other last point before I hand it off to Jason is that um, I think one of the main barriers is less on tools now and the focus, and I think part of our job is in DevRel is inspiration. We need to give people the imagination that they can create this stuff. We have to like make people just really live in the world that they can move to the solutions that they can imagine before and, and that the tools will come or they can have the ability to create these tools to help move all of us in that general direction. And I'll hand it over to Jason. Yeah, no, those are great points. Um, the, the thing I was just going to add was that the if we're if we're accepting that this term developer is changing, or I would say really it's not changing so much as growing. I feel like the audience is just growing. There's a there's more people in the pool of interested yeah. people who need that motivation, who need that inspiration, right? Yeah, Jen so, used the phrase "widen the aperture," and I. Yeah, yeah love that like right. no it's not it's not moving from here to here it's just expanding to include more people yeah so that brings with it a whole bunch of other problems like one prioritization you know like there's only so many of us and where can we put our investments and time and energy yeah. and especially when it feels like the audience has grown to the point now where the only people that you really can slice off are the ones who don't want to solve their own problems who just don't want help uh, anybody who like wants to like figure out how to use macros in Excel can get on YouTube and do that. And I would put them in the same camp as the low code, no code people. Like they just, they use tech and tools to do their job or whatever. And occasionally they run into something where they, it's above their like knowledge, current knowledge level. And so they go yeah. learn something new. That's it. That's the job. Right. And I think that point about figuring out who, who is our audience and then how do we message that in a way that our audience understands this is or is not for me, right? A perfect example, internally at Kamunda, we had our, our launch of Kamunda 8 in April and all of our internal um, consultants. So people who are doing trainings at customers, people who are like the pre and post sales engineers, all of that group was onboarding to 
what can move to eight? How do we use it? Let's start using the product. But they were following a different onboarding path than what was laid out in the documentation and the getting started guides that we had just released. And so their feedback was coming from a very different approach than the feedback that we would expect from our external users. And so our documentation team was suddenly getting all of this feedback that like isn't invalid, but has to be taken with a very different lens of, hang on, you came at it from this angle. And if you would come at it from the way that we designed it to be approached by, <laughs> you might've had a very different experience, right? But if you look at it that way, you know, if, if we're saying our product can be used by professional developers, citizen developers, low code developers, that's great. But do we have people writing documentation for all of those audiences? And does the documentation identify, hey, if you're a professional developer, do things this way. If you're a citizen developer, do things this way. If you're a low code developer, do things this way. This content is for you then we're suddenly not only tasked with producing content for all of those personas, but also potentially confusing our audiences when a low code or citizen developer comes to the website and goes, oh, cool, I need to solve this problem, but stumbles upon a tutorial intended for a professional full-time software engineer, which is going to be far more technical and potentially far more difficult for people to walk through because it's not intended for them. Right. It's not that the product can't be used to solve the problems that the other people are looking to solve, but they're not approaching the, the correct content or not approaching it from the correct way in order for that to solve their problems. Makes sense. I, I, fe I feel like we could sum that up in what we've done is we've opened Pandora's box. Now we have to figure out how to <laughs> silo the gifts of Pandora to everyone individually. Um, and I think that that's a good place to stop because I think, I feel like we could have a good follow-up episode on this. Um, but yeah, so as always, uh, thanks for listening. All of us from the community pulse, we appreciate you and we'll see you next time on the after pulse. This has been another episode of after pulse with Mary Thangwall, Jason Hand, PJ Haggerty, and Wesley Fulton. Learn more at communitypulse.io or at